It's Vancouver's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. I'm Angela Fay, hub builder and co-host of British Columbia's podcasts, part of the Canada's Podcast Network, your source for great insights from entrepreneurs from across Canada. We talk to entrepreneurs who are making it happen here so you can listen, discover, and engage. Today, I am super excited to have Evan with me here from Vancouver. Evan Gilbert has a digital marketing agency in Vancouver and is training businesses to help companies and individuals get started with their own successful advertising campaigns on social media. I love it because he's on a mission to revolutionize the advertising industry by delivering the best online resources for you to succeed in paid traffic. We're going to talk a little bit about going from a teaching career to where you are today, which I'm super excited about. But uh, Evan, welcome to Canada's podcast. Thanks for having me on, Angie. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> go, goes back a really, really long time. <laughs> but uh, pretty much just to kind of get the gist of it, um, I worked for um, when I, I decided to go to uh, broadcasting school back in around 2015. And uh, that was at the British Columbia Institute of Technology, so that's BCIT out at Burnaby. So I did the uh, radio broadcasting program out there. Uh, loads of fun, learned a lot, and ended up getting an internship with uh, one of these media corporations in Canada called Rogers. So I ended up doing promotions and social media for one of the radio stations that did an internship there. And then I ended up uh, getting hired. So I was there for about six or seven months in 2017 decided that, hey, I was doing a ton of stuff while I was out there. I was doing blog posts, uh, social media content, uh, different outreach methods, uh, copyright. I was doing a whole bunch of stuff. And then I realized, uh, maybe I can get paid more doing this in a different in a different way. So that's when I started doing social media marketing freelance work when I was doing um, uh, mainly Facebook, um, Facebook management. So social media management, as well as content creation, as well as Facebook advertising, which honestly almost made me want to blow my brains out. Um, cause I was just, <laughs> doing, I was doing, yeah, yeah. Cause I was just completely disorganized. I was just a yes man saying yes to every single person that came in the door. Um, and, uh, it was almost like too much cause it was a one man show at the time. And then, um, I ended up needing to regroup myself. So I ended up uh, traveling down to South America for around two months. I was in Ecuador and Peru. So this is around 2018 at this time, um, just to kind of refresh my mind and refresh everything. Mm-hmm. Be like, hey, what am, what am I actually doing this for? Uh, I was working too much in the business instead of working on the business. So um, that's when I decided to take a step back and to actually make a legitimate business out of it instead of just doing it as a freelancer. So that's when I incorporated my business, Blocky Media Incorporated, back in mid-summer 2018. And uh, yeah, that's kind of the start of my entrepreneurial side of the journey. So I went from uh, almost being uh, what I call a corporate slave to being a uh, freelance slave. And then I ended up uh, just working on the business and started uh, bringing a team on um, and actually creating some systems and putting them into place where mm-hmm. uh, it just wasn't chaos at the end of the day. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's pretty much uh, how I got started in the digital marketing sphere. It's great. I'd love to get your uh, two cents or input on the difference between being a freelancer contractor and picking a niche and, and going after it and, and setting up a business. How do you just differentiate between those two? One of the best ways to differentiate is between outbound and inbound. So when you're a freelancer, you're, you're really trying to hone in outbound leads a lot of the time where it's almost 
like a job. Um, mm. And it's a very different uh, relationship where you have with your clients. Um, so outbound, like you're going on to freelance websites or you're going on to different job posts on uh, Facebook, Instagram, or different social media websites. Um, just trying to find somewhere to just land a job so that you can get paid for either this month or do a specific uh, one-time one time gig where it's only for like two weeks or something like that, like something very minuscule. Um, while when you have a business, you're able to create either a profile funnel or you're able to um, uh, create... Um, create almost like a different, not necessarily like a different persona, but a different way of not necessarily outreach, but more inbound. Mm -hmm. um, so what I mean by that is you're creating more either content on, um, on YouTube or you're creating more content on LinkedIn while you're specifically serving the niche that you work in. And the niche that I work in is real estate. So I've been doing uh, real estate lead generation now for almost three years since I incorporated my business. Because I just focused down on the niche where I felt that I can really help out. And I was able to get the attention of now my team members, but some contractors that saw me doing videos online and they reached out to me wanting to be a part of this bigger project that I, I wanted to do with my company. And so I've been very, very fortunate to have amazing team members set in place where I can, I can deliver the ads myself if I really wanted to, but I have a team that can deliver the ad sets out. And I've been able to really hone in and master on that niche where I'm, I'm now, I'm now not really necessarily looking for like outbound lanes or anything along those lines because it's a very, very systemized uh, where I get more inbound leads from either word of mouth or I just run my own uh, Facebook uh, ad campaigns where I have all this data locked in either through my website or through my case studies mm -hmm. um, where all I have to do is just kind of flick a switch if I if I need any more uh, either uh, prospects or clients to, to kind of go after. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the big difference between being a freelancer and then running your own businesses mainly the systems that you that you kind of have in place because when you're a freelancer you're just kind of like willy-nilly you're kind of going after every single opportunity every single job while having a business it's more you have what you're good at so with us it's lead generation for real estate so people know what we're about and then they end up coming to us if they're interested in what we have to offer this might be giving up some uh some industry secrets here but you you know you talked about facebook being you know, one of your primary platforms, um, do you use, is it your primary platform and why have you chosen that specifically for real estate? Facebook, uh, mainly for service delivery, we focused in on Facebook and that's mainly due to two factors. One, it's in, um, it's incredibly easy for our clients to see what we're doing inside of the uh, Facebook business manager. So it's easy for them to understand. We create Loom videos as well for our clients. Uh, so Loom, for those of you that don't know, it's pretty much just like a screen sharing application, Chrome extension, where all you have to do is just kind of click on it. I remember um, when I first got started um, creating these type of screen share videos, I would have to upload each of them. So I would use like OBS or something like that as an application. And I would have to upload these onto YouTube, which are incredibly time consuming as an unlisted video. 
But now all I have to do is just kind of click on that application um, that's inside of our Chrome, that's inside of a Chrome extension called Loom, and I just create a screen capture video of any sort of campaigns that we're doing for our clients, any sort of reprise, and we kind of give them more instructional videos that way. And all I have to do is just kind of share the link, and the link is automatic as soon as you record the video. So Facebook's really good for just telling people. Um, and mainly telling our clients what kind of reach that they're getting, um, how many people ended up clicking on the ads, how many people ended up seeing the ads, unique views, uh, how many people filled out forms. It's a lot of very useful information, and that's why I really love digital advertising because it's much, much different than, say, um, radio ads that you hear on air, bus stop ads, where, yes. you're, not, where you're not actually able to see how many people interacted with that, with that type of advertising. Um, you can say like, oh, foot traffic in a certain area uh, right. for, for an intersection for a bus stop ad, but you can actually tell people, well, how many unique people actually saw the ad, how many seconds they looked at it, how many people actually like pondered and like mm -hmm. reacted to it or anything like that. So that's why it's it's very it's very welcoming to our clients to see what kind of information that they have and also number two is facebook's very very friendly for lead generation so we either do two types of campaigns we either do funnel creation for our real estate clients where we would build a landing page for them as well as a thank you page if they want to collect emails that way or we just use the facebook lead generation system which is incredibly handy because a lot of it is the forms that come up on the advertising itself it's already pre-filled out. So the name's mm -hmm. already there, your phone number's already there, their email's already there, and all someone has to do is just click, yep. And it's just a single click instead of doing a few different steps when you're creating mm -hmm. funnels. So that's why I always recommend like Facebook advertising over other types of advertising. Be and of course I'm biased with it because we mainly just run Facebook advertising, but because it's just very easy for either prospects or our clients just to see what we're up to. So I, I appreciate that the the nice thing about real estate is these are pretty big ticket items, right? So a, a, a realtor that sells a house is, you know, talking about pretty large commissions so they can afford to spend up front. What about for a smaller business, you know, for somebody that has say a $30,000 product or a thousand dollar service? What, what's your thoughts on similar processes or systems like you run uh, for those companies? So some of it is difference between service delivery, and which is very, very similar to what real estate is. So um, that would mainly be lead generation if you're performing service delivery for someone, so mm -hmm. that's B2B or anything along those lines. That's what lead generation inside, the lead generation form inside of Facebook is incredibly handy and incredibly useful. Um, for physical products, um, the best way to kind of mitigate and to create um, to create a campaign is to go over your own value ladder. So I don't know uh, if your listeners uh, know a gentleman named Russell Brunson. Um, that's where I started learning about the value ladder and where you create um, different values of products. A lot of the time, if you're selling like a big ticket item, so say if it's like anything above like $500 or $1,000, anything along those lines, whenever someone sees like an advertising for that, the odds of them actually purchasing it, if mm -hmm. it's the first time seeing it, is not very likely. So you right. need to almost warm up your audience in order for them to purchase those big ticket items. And that's where the value ladder comes in. And that's where I'm a big proponent of, especially for two reasons. One, you're able to mitigate your cost of an advertisement for a lower, for a lower um, ticket item. So say if it's only $7 to $37 for a lower ticket item, someone may purchase something through that advertisement 
Um, but you're, you may purchase something through that advertisement for that lower ticket item, but that's not your initial goal as a business. Your initial goal of, uh, as a business might be that like $500 ticket or a thousand dollar ticket. But there's two reasons why you want to do that lower ta- uh, lower item cost. Um, first one being that you're able to cut your ad cost like way down. So you're pretty much like breaking even on your ad campaign. But while you're breaking even on your ad campaign, you're also acquiring a customer, which means that you're acquiring their data. And then you also know that they're already willing to purchase something, uh, which is incredibly handy versus mm-hmm. someone that just drops off their mm-hmm. email for a free product, for example, who right. might need a bit more warming up in order to actually bring out their credit card and purchase something. As soon as your credit card's on file, the odds of someone actually purchasing something, especially if you're creating a funnel either inside of ClickFunnels or another type of funnel software, for uh, for example, you're actually able to uh, redirect uh, potential like customers or clients into different directions. So say if someone just went into a free opt-in, they go one way while someone that actually purchased the $7 product, you may be able to create different upsells for them. So you're actually able to profit a lot more from someone going in with a $7 product or a $37 product where you can mm-hmm. work the, work their way up to what you actually want to offer, which is a five, $500 to $1,000 product. We're all in like the data game at the end of the day. It's all about collecting right. data and, and kind of like and being able to communicate and build a relationship with any new customers that come into the door. So that's my biggest aspect because we did a campaign a little while back for a outdoor uh, pool uh, pool accessory company where we pretty much got people in the door with a uh, I think it was like a I think we I think we were able to get people in or I think it was a seven dollar cup floaty one of those like <laughs> cup floaties that we were that we were able to get people in the door with but I think it was a seven dollar product that we actually got people in the door with but our offering was to sell bundles of bigger like pool floaties so say three or four of them for like a group um, that was what our initial intention of, of selling was. So that's how we got people in the door was that initial one, one, one uh, pool floaty for like seven. And then we had an upsell of like three of them for like 14 or something like that. And then if they were to purchase that like 14, then, then we would bring them on to like a single, like bigger float. Um, and then we would do another upsell of like three or four for, I think it was like, uh, I think like one of the floaties they're able to for like I think it was like 87 to 97 or something like that so we're able to sell like three of the floaties for around like 247 so interesting so this kind of value ladder that you're talking about that's that Russell Brunson content okay we'll have to check that out I'm gonna I'm gonna write that down for following yeah he's a, he's a genius I've been following him for like years and he's he's kind of what um, he's one of the first few entrepreneurs that brought me in on my cool. entrepreneur journey so yeah I definitely recommend Now, I'm going to ask you something because I still, I keep seeing, you know, blog posts and and, uh, inklings that there's going to be massive disruption in the advertising industry. Um, What what do you see coming down the pipeline that you know will impact companies in the next five years that if they don't get on board with, they'll be left behind? The biggest thing is cost per acquisition of a customer. So that is going to continue to growing up, going up through digital advertising because every day more and more big companies are starting to flood onto the platform. So when I first got started about four years ago with Facebook advertising, there wasn't that many big Fortune 500 companies that were solely doing what we were doing 
in the advertising sphere, mm-hmm. uh, sphere. So creating like various different campaigns where we're split testing different copies, split testing different content, split testing different targeting. There wasn't that that many of the big Fortune 500 companies that were doing that. They might just put a single ad out just to kind of test it and as a teaser because that's what they were used to doing in print media or television, anything mm-hmm. along those lines. They weren't really in depth with the targeting and how powerful the Facebook uh, ad system actually is. But now every single day, these companies are starting to learn and they're starting to hire people that have been doing this for a very, very long time, like myself. So now their budgets are going away from traditional advertising. So be it television Mm -hmm. or print or radio, it's going away from that. And now it's starting to flood more into the digital space. So the cost per acquisition of a customer is actually starting to increase. And it's going to be increasing every single day. So I don't want to, I don't want to scare your audience or anything like that, like that they need to go on for today. But something that was really ingrained, ingrained into my head by, um, by one of my older, I, I say older mentor, but she's like 17 or 18. Uh, it's a uh, young woman named Jade Dharmawangza, um, who I've chatted with a few times. And uh, she's on YouTube. She's excellent at what she does. But she said that um, it's easier yesterday to start than it is for tom- while tomorrow is going to be a lot harder. So you should be starting today on, right. on getting things done. So that's that's one of the big things that I that kept in that I kept in my head. Um, because when I was doing ads like three, four years ago, it was a lot cheaper for me to get either a customer or an email while now it's getting a bit more expensive. So you have to be a bit more creative, but, um, with ad costs going up though, it it just means that we're kind of flushing out the pretenders and then the real makers are, that's where we're able to go in and Mm -hmm. actually create and create these beautiful campaigns for either our clients or for ourselves. So that, so that's a lot different than what's traditionally happening right now in the ad space. And how do you respond to, you know, I'm listening to different, perhaps generations, but it could be just personality differences between putting themselves out there online and social and digitally in order to receive content that's relevant for them. For instance, I have the mindset that I would much rather have an ad pop up or see content based on what I like and know rather than filter through a bunch of spammy stuff that I'm never going to, that's never going to engage me. And, uh, versus, you know, the, the more traditionalists or the people who might be a little bit fearful of putting themselves online and, you know, that whole big brother watching stuff. How do you, what's your take on that? I love how you said the big brother because that's <laughs> actually, that's actually how I got started in the digital advertising and the social media marketing space was because I don't know if your viewers have have done this, but um, have done the Myers-Briggs test or anything along those lines. I definitely recommend that. Um, So the best way to be able to figure out your personality type is to go to 16personalities.com. So it's one six and then personalities.com. It's free to use and you can kind of, and you're, it's essentially the Myers-Briggs test uh, to see what kind of personality type you are. So with myself, I've done this test about four or five times and I'm the same each and every time. I'm an ENTP which means that I'm like, I'm the debater type. I'm the highly skeptical person. Um, I question every single thing that's going on. I play devil's advocate for, for different things that I don't even believe in just to rile people up. Uh, <laughs> so that's, that's my personality type. And it, I've always been really fascinated with Big Brother 
especially social media now and how, how much like I will go on to, I'll go to anywhere uh, in a public space or anything like that. And everyone will just be, their heads are down into their phone. It's kind of scary, but at, but at the same time, that's just kind of the way that society is going right, going right now. And these companies, they have so much influence over culture, over what talking points are happening. So I really wanted to know how these algorithms work and how, mm. Uh, the AI really like honed in and control and almost like controlled our behavior. So that's why I really got into digital advertising and to be not necessarily fearful of this because Facebook, if you're on Facebook, your data is already out there. Every single thing it's, it's already out there. That's what's in the term of services of Facebook. And that's why it's free um, as well as with Google. If you have Google Chrome on your computer, sorry, they know Google knows like <laughs> Google knows more about you than you probably know about yourself. And that's the thing that's the, been the biggest change that I've seen over the last four years of being mm. in the ad space is the, how sophisticated and how smart the AI has gotten. So it used to be a big thing um, to really hone in on the targeting of an ad campaign. So you would have to split test a whole bunch of targeting to see which one works, which one doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And that was around four years ago, but every single day, the AI of, of Facebook, it learns every single day. It like not even Facebook employees can tell you how sophisticated this AI technology is or how smart it is. This AI technology knows humans more than we know ourselves. So that's where the targeting really come comes into play where it's less like I used to say four years ago that targeting, like knowing how the target was the number one thing um, mm-hmm. versus copy versus uh, content. Now it's completely reversed. So now I almost necessarily say that copy is number one and then content and then now targeting is going to be third uh, because the Facebook AI is very, very sophisticated to know like who's going to be interested in this type of advertising, mm-hmm. even when it's a cold campaign. I don't want to necessarily like scare anyone or scare anyone in your audience, but um, that's just the way that like, we're almost living in 1984 right now. So that that's one of the bigger things to keep in mind when you're on these platforms is that your data, you are being watched, (laughs) you are being watched. Your data is, is almost being transferred over to these social media companies, but you're going to have to be able to use it to your advantage, especially as an advertiser to be able to know how these algorithms end Mm. up working. So say for an example, Facebook knows like when you post anything with a graduation photo or a new baby post. So the Facebook AI is able to actually hone in and see on a photo of one of those graduation caps. uh, caps. So the Facebook AI is like, okay, that's a graduation cap. We're going to boost that to the top of feed. Or when there's an ultrasound photo of, uh, or of a baby in a womb, um, that's like three months old or something like that. The Facebook AI knows that that's an ultrasound photo. So it's going to boost it up to the top of the organic feed. So it's just about kind of understanding how these algorithms work and just kind of taking a step back and just being like, okay, maybe, maybe I shouldn't post like all this personal information about myself. If you really don't want to, you don't have to be on social media. If you don't want to, you don't have to post any of this stuff. If you don't really want to, you can almost just kind of be a bystander um, Mm -hmm. and just let, and just like watch and watch everything just all kind of like hone out and, and burn out and stuff. But I think the biggest thing is to just not remain ignorant. I compared to kind of the Truman show where a lot of people have started to end up wanting to leave uh, the reality TV series. If you guys, if uh, you haven't watched Truman show, I highly recommend that as well. (laughs) Um, But it's almost like people are starting to be woken up to what, 
what kind of AI systems are going to be out there and why things end up getting boosted into the top of a newsfeed and why other things might get buried. Hmm. So it's just about being more aware of what, what these AI systems, what they're doing and uh, just not remaining ignorant to, um, to, to how this whole process is happening. Cause it's all going, it's all unraveling it right in front of our eyes. And that's the big thing to just kind of be m- more mindful of, of these algorithms and stuff. And uh, yeah, cause I think it's one of those big pressing issues that we don't really talk about quite a bit. Um, either it's buried in the algorithm or not buried in the algorithm, but I think it's one of those pressing <laughs> like cultural issues that we should be talking about. Well, and I'm going to, something that I'm privileged to know, because in our introductory call, we talked about it. You actually have a passion for teaching, Mm -hmm. and uh, maybe you can help us get over that ignorance for as far as what's coming in your future. How are are you translating what you've learned so far into next entrepreneurial venture? So what I'm doing currently with my agency is um, I'm really honing in on my craft of my advertising craft, and I just want to showcase it to other people that might be interested either in these algorithms or interested in um, creating campaigns that are profitable, be it no matter what kind of niche that you're working in, um, and building out your own online agency. Um, I, I love traveling. Um, that was one of the reasons why I got into business and got into just working from my laptop is because I'm a big fan of uh, being location independent. If you can go anywhere in the world, like why wouldn't you? Uh, some people like to just like stay stationary, but I don't understand. <laughs> I, I don't really understand like those type of people. Like I, I need to. <laughs> you are I, a digital I, nomad well and yeah. truly, right? Yeah. 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 I, I, um, I get cabin fever if I don't end up like going somewhere new in like a month or so. It's kind of a downfall. I, I viewed it as a downfall like five or six years ago when I was going to school and trying to like figure things out. But now I'm like, uh, why don't I just embrace it? Like um, I can't just like fight myself all the time. I need to be able to embrace it. So the, one of my big passions is teaching. And I really want to help people leave that nine to five, leave that nine to five and be able to be location independent, just like myself. That's one of the big things, especially with our economy and the way that it's going. A lot of these nine to five jobs are almost kind of like leaving um, Mm -hmm. now that more and more things are being able to be purchased online. Um, There's a mass exodus. So when I was working my corporate job, there was a huge office space that was there. And we might have only and what I imagine in like the 60s, 70s and 80s, it was just full of people of people there. And now there was maybe, I don't know, maybe one twentieth of the room was being used or something like that. So that's mm-hmm. like, that's like 95% of, of the room just like not being used and a 95% reduction of like the workforce of like manpower needed because technology now is almost created a redundancy for those type for our 20th century mindset of what jobs were. So now what I really aim to do is to help people kind of transfer into that new 20th, 21st century, uh, not even necessarily a job mode, but um, being able to uh, work for themselves and be Mm -hmm. able to work from a laptop pretty much from anywhere, because right now it's, it's a very unique time and special time, even though there's the coronavirus going on right now, but I view that more as an opportunity to be able to get flight deals. <laughs> that, totally. That's, that's Just more, as long as you're not in the market for hand sanitizer, it's a problem right yeah, now. Yeah. Or toilet paper. <laughs> or stock toilet up. Paper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's something that I've been really passionate about and something that I've been really gearing um, myself past agency life mm-hmm. is to be able to help people do it for themselves. So be able to create their own 
agency. It doesn't even necessarily have to be advertising. Like one of my, one of my students right now, he does mainly just website building. So he has a website building agency where he signs on clients, uh, for pretty, pretty large retainers. He signs them on for like five, $6,000 retainers per month, uh, just to do website work for them and website maintenance and stuff. So, um, that's my ultimate goal is to be able to help people leave that nine to five because that's the biggest thing is to jump over that hurdle, that mindset of not being able to do it because like the time when you're able to depend on a job, I almost think that that's almost going away a little bit where you're paid every two weeks or you're paid every month uh, to work a nine to five. That's almost going out the door and depending on someone else for your livelihood. So that's, that's where I wanted to come in and help mm-hmm. people, especially especially people under the age of 30, um, really hone in because this is the time to go out and get money, make mistakes, find out what you truly, really want to do um, because you can pretty much do almost anything that you want in the online sphere if you really put your mind to it. Um, building out a business or be it if you wanted to be a freelancer, if that's, if that's what you want to do. Um, but my main goal for uh, with teaching is to help people build out an online agency so that they're so that they're able to kind of hone in on their own craft, be it whatever uh, niche that they want to work in. Sometimes to say niche, sometimes to say niche, it really depends on the day. <laughs> but uh, really hone in on their niche and whatever their their specialty, their expert craft is, and to be able to make a business out of it. Usually on Canada's podcast, we love to talk about, um, you know, the destination that you work because people love to, or work where they live, right? And work where they love to live. And um, so we usually bring out highlights of uh, where you live and, and, you know, what's the best cafe and where's the best thing. But I'm going to switch this around for you because you're a digital nomad. So you're Vancouver based right now. What's, uh, what are some Canadian destinations on your hit list and, and how are you going to make that happen? given the type of work that you do? Oh, wow. Canadian destinations. So that's one of the things about Canadians that I always find very hilarious, uh, especially when I was traveling. Like, when I, w- w- like I just got back from Belize in November, um, and I was in Mexico in January. And one of the things when I was running into Canadians, be it if they're from Alberta, Ontario, Quebec, the East Coast, is that they have seen more of the outside world than they've seen within than their own country. So true, uh, Evan. And, so true. Yeah, and and, and and like I've been to, I've been to Alberta. I was just in Toronto for the first time in November. I'm 26, and I was in Toronto for the first time like November, December. Um, and I've been to Quebec. I did like a French immersion program when I was younger. I should have told you some petit peu en français. Oh wait, oh wait, oh wait. Quebec. I went to yeah Quebec City as well as um, I've been to like Sherbrooke. I went to go visit a friend who went to Bishops out there. Been to Montreal about like three or four times as well. I have family that lived out there. Um, But what's big on my list for Canada in itself is definitely the East Coast. The East Coast is something that's very very fascinating to me, as well as the North. Um, I'm Mm -hmm. planning on going to Whitehorse from a connection that I met uh, while I was actually down in Belize in November. Um, a guy who uh, rents out like multiple properties. He owns probably about like maybe a dozen properties out in the Whitehorse area in the Yukon. And I want to go up there to kind of learn that aspect of the business a little bit. And he's like, oh yeah, come on up and come, come join. And, and it was just randomly like uh, a guy who was sitting next to me on, on the flight from Belize city to Toronto that I ended up meeting him. So those are definitely on the list for me to be able to go out and explore Canada. But the awesome. big thing about problem about Canada is that it's so expensive to go anywhere 
um, it, it, especially like flights like up to up north, like the oh, white horse. internal was, domestic flights. Yeah, oh, yeah inter internal domestic flights. Like it's so ridiculous. Like I'm able to go to Vegas for like 150 to 200 dollars return, while if I go to Whitehorse, which is almost similar, like similar amount of time to be able to get there it's like 800 900 to be able to go there which is just absolutely ridiculous like i remember going to like montreal it's like 800 per turn or something like that and then i was able to go down to belize city i mind you i was able to get a pretty good deal with point points but i was able to go to belize city with like with exit taxes and all exit fees and all that sort of stuff it was only like 110 canadian return like it's really ridiculous like the amount of cost like for traveling especially domestically internally in canada but i guess with what's going on in the world and people are really like scared and all that sort of right. stuff uh, that's when i hop on like i mentioned the flight deals are all going to start to happen because people are just not really traveling at the moment but that's the big thing like doing a road trip across canada is something i've always yeah. been really really fascinated with too but what's big on the list for me internationally right now is to go back to either Southeast Asia or go and explore um, more of Central America because I was down in Belize and Mexico, but I really wanted to go down uh, Costa Rica and a few other places that are down there too. So yeah, so that was that's kind of where I wanted to go domestically was like the East Coast because that's very fascinating, very different culture that's out there as well as up north of it um, and internationally be Southeast Asia and Central America. All right, Evan, I haven't asked this question for quite a while. It used to be kind of a fun question that we'd ask on our on our podcast. But uh, given the nature of your business, if you were stuck on a remote island and uh, without any technology, there was a payphone there and you had a quarter to make one call, how long would you last on the island and what would you do there? Would I be by myself? I am completely by myself yeah. on the island? Yeah. 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 Oh, awesome. I'd be in peace. I just meditate almost all day long. I've <laughs> 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 had a payphone, payphone in a quarter. First thing I would probably do is to just call, probably like end up calling like my parents or something like that, just to say I'm okay and I'm just going to be uh, out here meditating so for sweet. the next like couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> you think you'd last a couple of years? <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I, I've seen the movie Castaway too yes, many times for me totally. not to survive. <laughs> okay, perfect. It's so true. Hey, listen, where are we going to find you next? So uh, other than Whitehorse, Belize or the East Coast, what, um, are you a, a conference goer or are you, do you have a professional meetup group that you would, that you go to for inspiration and getting energized? Where will we find you next? So some of the best places to find me is actually on my website. So you go to blockymedia.com. Uh, that's mm -hmm. my website as well as my YouTube page. You can just type in Evan Gilbert. Um, and I'm sure that I'll be able to pop up if I don't end up popping up, just write Evan Gilbert Facebook ads. And I'm sure that I'll be <laughs> on there. I upload uh, three videos a week via different interviews or uh, different tutorials that I have, uh, including like some client campaigns that I upload in there. So they might be some valuable resources for your audience, just going over mm -hmm. different campaigns, all that sort of stuff. Um, those are the best places to find me and where I'm hanging out as well as on Instagram. I'm at the Gilby Guild. So T-H-E-G-I-L-B-Y-G-I-L-B-Z. Um, that's a nickname that I got back in like high school when someone found out my last name was Gilbert. So like, Oh, Gilby Gilbs. I'm like, all right, well, I guess, I guess that's <laughs> that going to, I guess that's going to stick with me. So those are the best places to find me. I'm not necessarily huge on my conferencing or huge mm -hmm. going out there because right now I'm really honing in on my business. I'm waiting for the only reason why I'm still in Vancouver and still in Canada at the moment is I'm just waiting for my girl, my girlfriend. She just got a recent job working for the federal government in Canada, Environment Canada, and she has a contract job until around October or so. 
So as soon as October rolls around, I'll be going back to London in the UK to go visit my mentor for a party that he's having. My mentor is Iman Gadji, for anyone that uh, is curious for that. Um, very smart kid. I think he built uh, his... Who is uh, it? Iman Gadji. So I found him when he was like 17 years old. He made a million pounds uh, with his advertising agency before he turned like 18 or something like that. He's mm-hmm. a wizard. Um, and like I mentioned, I'm a highly skeptical person. I always question authority, but this guy like knows his stuff. Uh, so how do we find Iman Gadji? Iman, you'd be able to just find him um, online. His company's called Grow Your Agency uh, mm-hmm. as well. So incredibly smart kid, whiz kid. Um, he's also kind of living the digital nomad lifestyle a little bit mm-hmm. as well. So I'll be heading out to the UK come October, November, some, sometime around there. And then I will be uh, traveling, probably end up in uh, Central America just after waiting for my girlfriend to finish off her contract because she's going to want to come down as well. And uh, yeah, just spend a couple months down there, escape the Canadian winter and uh, live uh, winter free probably for at least a few years to come. <laughs> well, and I love the, um, the idea about teaching and mentoring in a, in a collective people that want to develop their own agencies. Uh, again, if there people are interested in that, is that they just reach out to you? Yeah, for sure. You okay. can uh, reach out to me on my website. You can shoot me a DM on right. Instagram or, uh, or send a comment out on my YouTube page. I'm always very responsive on there. Awesome. Well, we have a uh, primarily Canadian, but actually we have a, we have a global audience listening, which are pretty much all decision makers and entrepreneurs. So any last words that you can share with us that, that we should know going into the next century? <laughs> <laughs> One of the biggest things that I had to overcome my, myself was that mindset issue, mm. um, especially when you're working for yourself and you're working either at home or you're not working in a traditional uh, job or anything along those lines. And the biggest thing and biggest hurdle is your mindset at the end of the day. And some of the best ways to be able to clear up your mindset is to track these three things. As soon as I started tracking these three things, my whole, my whole life has changed over the last two years. First thing is tracking your sleep, making sure that you sleep uh, accordingly. One of the best uh, resources to have with that is called an aura ring which tracks your heart rate, your sleep, and it also measures uh, your deep sleep as well. That's been a completely like game changer for, for myself and uh, sleep optimization because if you're not sleeping well, then you're definitely not going to be optimized throughout the day. Second one is eating at the same time every single day. So I eat at the exact same time every single day. And I've been vegan for like five or six years. So if anyone has any plant-based questions, feel free to shoot me a message on that as well outside of business. Third one is uh, workout routine. So I work out at the same time every single day as well. So as soon as you have those three things down and packed, then you're going to be able to structure and organize your day uh, to be a lot more efficient. So just keep things uh, simple, stupid. That's how I, uh, that's how I've been able to build my company. Evan, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on Canada's podcast. We look forward to connecting again soon, I'm sure. You didn't say Vancouver Island, but I'm sure we'll connect at some point in person. <laughs> for sure, Angie. Thank you for having me on. It was a okay. pleasure. Bye. Thanks for taking the time today to listen to British Columbia's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. We hope you enjoyed the show today. Make sure you sign up for our newsletters and write a review for us on iTunes. Connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or at canadaspodcast.com. You can check out what other entrepreneurs are doing across the country. I'm Angela Fay. See you next time.